Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Offline Gaming Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Ray. Hello Ray. Hello. What have we been up to since episode 1? Lots of different things I would say. We've had a couple of gaming nights, we've had EGX has just gone past uh, last weekend. Yeah. Lots of new games, lots of new Kickstarters, lots of old games in my case. Okay. Well, just playing things that have been out for a while. Yeah, what what else have we been up to? I think that's pretty much it, other than work it. and yeah, well, just work and being sociable, normalised yeah. human beings for a change. Whatever normal is, never mind. <laughs> um, so, what we were going to say is, first of all, thank you to everybody who uh, got behind us for for episode one. Thank you to everybody who shared it and liked it and listened more than anything thank you for listening we did have quite a few more people than we expected and that's really good so let's continue upwards yeah the question is will those people then come back and listen to episode two so we'll have to see what the listener numbers are like well we'll find out after this and yeah. we'll report back on episode three also we're going to be trying to release on schedule of every first weekend of the month Unless, of course, the first of the month falls on a Saturday, in which case it might be a bit difficult. But we will try. Let's move on to the topic of the month. This episode, we're going to be talking about mobile, so iOS or Android versions of tabletop games that we've found, which uh, brings plugged in and unplugged together. So you you have your tabletop games, but you need electricity to play them. We've been testing a few mostly admittedly on ios my partner and i very recently just bought an ipad um we've turned to the dark side so i've been testing as well for once sadly there aren't as many it seems on android as there are on ios probably not i think people tend to write apps for where the market is don't they yeah and and it's just with the problem with android i think is there's so many different versions of android that it's more difficult for people to write apps for that platform. So iOS tends to be the... It's very rare that you get big blockbuster games come out on Android first, I, I find. They always yeah. play on iOS first, and then they'll be ported to Android. So. Yeah, for example, Hearthstone. I had to wait a very long time to get it on my Android tablet. But now I've got an iPad, so it's kind of redundant. Yeah. <laughs> it works better on the iPad as well, which is kind of painful to say. Yeah. But some of the some of the games we've been testing include Flux, Carcassonne, Forbidden Island, Splendor, Star Realms, and Ascension. And we've also been testing out a iOS PC and web based scoring app called ScoreGeek, which Matt has been testing. Yeah, quite a lot. We'll we'll talk about should we go through them in order? Yeah. And then we'll yeah. talk about each one in a bit more depth. So let's go go with Flux first then. So Obviously, if you listened last week, you know that Flux is what got me into tabletop gaming. And uh, actually, Flux for iOS I've had for quite a while because I got it on my phone before I had an iPad. I, I, it's good. It's, I mean, it's a faithful reproduction of the core basic Flux game. But I just find that the interface isn't that great. Yeah, it's a little bit clunky. Clunky, flat colours. Yeah, it's not necessarily as exciting as the game can be. Yeah. I think it's difficult with a game that you have to keep your hand secret to the other player because it just means you sort of huddle around the iPad. Yeah. And then you give it to the other person who then huddles around the iPad as well. So it's not 
it's not necessarily as social as playing the game with cards. Yeah, I would say it's good. It's good though if you want a flux um, session and you're on your own because the you can play against the AI. Yeah, that's and the, good. And the thing about that is because the game's so random anyway. The AI is normally not too bad at playing the game. So. Yeah. So should we talk about Carcassonne? Carcassonne, yeah. So again, it's uh, if you listen last week, you know it's a uh, last month even. Yeah. You know it's uh, a game that we played fairly recently for the first time. So we gave the uh, iOS version a try, and actually, I found that easier to play that than the tabletop version, purely because the yeah. game tells you where you can and can't put tiles. Mm. I did like that you can. Well, it it like highlights and says. You can put it here, 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 or here. Yeah. And when it got when when the game, like when the the land or the board gets quite big, then you get more and more options, and it's nice to see you have so many options and so on. It makes it go a bit quicker, it makes it flow a bit better. But I still I do like having the little tiles to play with. <laughs> Fair enough. Because there's a, there's a bit of excitement when when you can like take the tile off the, the the top of the pile and flip it over and see what you get. Yeah. Whereas with the iOS version, you just sort of, bing, there it is. That's what you've got. Oh, okay. Uh, that's terrible. But there's there's less, like, suspense, excitement. I, don't I like the, um, the, the other thing I like, though, is when the, the number of tiles is running low, it then starts putting crosses on the board to say there aren't any more tiles in the game that will go in these places. So actually yeah. you can be a bit more strategic and you know that you have to give up on certain things and concentrate yeah. on other things. So there is that as well. I think if you're a seasoned Carcassonne player, like of the tabletop version, the physical copy, the sorts of people who, who have their own meeple sets for it, then you would know Yeah, they probably got all the tiles memorised, anyway. yeah. Um but for, for for newbies, it, I think it's quite helpful. So it's a good introduction if you don't have the space for the actual physical game yeah. or you're on the move a lot. Because we've been playing these in lunch breaks at work and you can get a good one or two games yeah. in an hour. Where, They're a lot, it's whereas, a lot quicker to play through. Yeah, whereas, whereas the physical game takes at least 45 minutes to play. The next one is Forbidden Island. Oh. Which we have so far, have we won yet? No, I don't think no. we have. Four games we've played, not yeah. won one. We almost won. Each time we've played, we've got closer to winning than the previous time we've played. But if you saw Tabletop with Will Wheaton, they lost to Forbidden Island as well. So that kind of makes me feel better. Yeah. I haven't played the physical version, but it's fairly cheap on Amazon. Yeah. But I think... Because with the physical version, you have to actually lay out all the tiles and flip them over and this, that and the other. That could be quite a lot of setup time. Now, I think this is one game where having bought the iOS version and really enjoyed it, I wouldn't necessarily need to go out and buy yeah. the physical version. Because the way it plays on a, on a tablet is um, you just place the tablet face up in the middle of the table and then everyone is it's oriented for everyone if they're sitting around a table so yeah. you you if you're two players then each player gets one side of the ipad so it um because it's a cooperative game it doesn't matter that you can see what everyone mm. else has got so it actually lends itself to that format really well i've just had a thought i wonder how that plays on the ipad pro 
I bet with a with a larger screen on the iPad yeah. Pro, that would be brilliant. Yeah, because we've only played it with two people, and I imagine four people might be a bit squashed. Yeah, but with a much bigger screen, that would uh, that would go quite well. Yeah, but I think that's of all the of all the iOS adaptations we've played. I think Forbidden Island is probably my favourite, and it's probably the one that looks the most polished. Yeah, I would say Splendor, which is the next one we're going to talk about. That's quite well yeah. done. It's quite well polished up, but I agree that that Forbidden Island seems to work like mechanically the best, and it looks the best, and yeah, like it even goes, it, it even bothers having a little animation to show you when it's shuffling the cards, just in case you're suspicious that the iPad is against you. Um, but I thought that was a, that's a, that's a nice touch, I think. So Splendor, I um, came across because. I listened to the Dice Tower, and one of the guys uh, on one of the hosts on Dice Tower really, really liked Splendor. Yeah. So I, I grabbed the iOS version of that, and uh, I like it. It, I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite games, but I, mm. I, it's very tactical and having to decide what coins to collect and then what to spend your coins on or your gems on to get the cards, and and it's, it, it's good. I, I'd imagine with the physical version, it might get a bit difficult to keep track of all the. Things yeah. that are going on on the table. Yeah. I found it a bit difficult to keep track of it on the iPad until I got used to it. Yeah. You, you take coins, but then you buy jewels, and then they turn into coins or whatever it was. I can't remember. I found it quite enjoyable. I thought it was going to go on for absolutely ages. Yeah. But then you kind of start ramping up fairly quickly once you get in, like, when you get a foothold on the, the bottom tier of... Yeah, gems. once you've got a few gems in your stash, then they're there permanently, then, yeah, you start yeah. being able to buy the more expensive cards and then the scores just start going up quite quickly. Yeah. I completely neglected the, um, what are they called, the patrons? Yeah. Patron mechanic, because I thought, oh, I can't be bothered with them. And I couldn't quite figure out how it worked properly, so kind of left it. Uh, sadly, that then I lost, but never mind. But it was it's quite a fun game, and I it has it was on my Amazon wish list previously, and I can't really remember why, considering my wish list is so long now. I I don't even remember when half of it was put on there. No. Um, but Splendor had made it on there for one reason or another. I think it was probably because it comes in one of these like top ten, top twenty lists that you get. So Star Realms is next. So I've played this a little bit. Um, I've got the the free version. I haven't paid for it yet. And the free version only lets you play against the AI, so there's no multiplayer. Um, but it's good. Now, I played Star Realms for the first time a couple of months ago when a friend from work brought it in and introduced me to it. And it took took me a bit of time to get my head around it because having never played a deck-building game before, that was my first sort of experience yeah. of it. The scoring and figuring out the scores and, and stuff like that is difficult. And that's something I do like about most of the iOS versions of these board games is that they do all the scoring and things for you automatically. So if you, yeah. if you like, for example, on Splendor, if you've got enough things and you, it'll highlight which ones you can buy. Yeah. So you don't have to sit there going, oh, can I have that one, can I have that one? So for someone who's just getting into the games, sometimes playing the iOS version is better because it does some of the raw mechanics for you automatically. Mm. I did try Star Arms as well. The one thing that annoyed me is that you can only play on easy. Whereas with Ascension, which is the next game, you can play either on easy or on hard it's not called easy and hard it's 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 green or red and i'm assuming red is the hard one um ascension is another deck building game which is based on a 
obviously a, a physical card game, which I have never played, never even heard of. No. But you can also get Ascension on Steam. And while I've got it for iOS for the free version, you can pay in like uh, microtransactions to get all the expansions inside the iOS version. I added it all up and it was actually cheaper just to buy the game on Steam. So I've got the iOS version, which even though it's the free version, I still play more because it's more uh, convenient to just get the iPad out and play for a little bit. And I quite, I quite like it. Some of the, some of the graphics are a bit f- flat and very 2D, but I think that's just the style of the game. That's just the style of the art for the game. And having played a couple of the expansions on Steam... There is a lot more that you can go into and a lot more mechanics that are expanded on with those extra decks and those extra expansions. Um, so I have quite enjoyed that and I've been playing it sort of every time I can get my hands oh, on right, the okay. iPad. I didn't realise you were playing it that much. Well, it's just, it's it's really simple. And you just sort of, you just sort of go along and you just swap some cards for some other cards and buy some cards. And at the end of it, if you've got the most power, then you win. Which I'm sure is a really oversimplified version for something that's probably very complex and has a large following for the physical card game. But the the free iOS version is is just a uh, nice, simple. Yeah, it's 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 good fun. Um, took a bit of getting used to because obviously I'm not particularly familiar with deck building games before that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's quite a few more games that we haven't played yet that I, I've got, but um, I'll just run you through the list of if anyone's played any of these and they've got any comments, then just, just send them in to us. But there's an iOS version of Boss Monster, which uh, looks quite fun. Uh, Catan, which uh, we still haven't played yet. No. Uh, Pandemic, which is supposed to be really good. Uh, Suburbia, Small World 2, and Ticket to Ride, which is one I actually really, really want to play. Yeah. I think Ticket to Ride will probably be a good iOS one, considering how absolutely massive the the physical one yeah, looks. Just make sure you don't whack the table when you're playing it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Score Gig then. So Score Gig is, um, I mean, it is online, so it sort of goes against our offline mm. credo a little bit, but yeah. it's very useful, and it's something I found a few weeks ago, and I used it at our last um, gaming uh, night. So Score Gig is an iOS app, but you can also get it for the PC, and you can access it via the web. And you basically just add in her or your friends or who's playing games with you. You get a list of all your games, which it can import from Board Game Geek. And then uh, whenever you play a game, you just use it to score. And then it can give you like statistics to say what players have got the best winning percentage and who who you know who wins the most games and what games are most popular and things like that. So yeah, and if there's like uh, high scores within a game within your group and personal bests and what was the other thing? Um, well, there's a cheat. Well, it's just achievement yeah, based, isn't it? So yeah. it's gamification of games. Yeah, it's kind of like the achievement, the achievements unlocked. Yeah, but with stuff that's offline, sort of. Board Game Geek does does that to a point, but I didn't find the interface very intuitive. Yeah, I find a lot of the. Uh, I do find a lot of Board Game Geek to be quite unintuitive, and I, I sort of struggle to. Uh, make my way through all the various different plain text options. Yeah, I think it's because it's such an old site and they yeah. never really... I guess if it was designed now, mm. it would be completely different. Yeah. Like, look at the, the marketplace that they've got on there. It looks really good. 
mm. and modern and nice and easy to browse and things like that. But the rest of the site I just find a bit clunky. Yeah. This is nothing against Board Game Geek. It's very, it's very it's good. It's a very site. good site. Very useful. Yeah. So that's uh, iOS and Android board games. Yeah. Then. That is the end of our topic of the month. Hey. Uh, now for our more regular features. Uh, what have we been playing and what have we been buying? Did you want to go first? I may as well. So tabletop games I bought. I got Batman Flux. Hooray. Which we played. Did we play it? Yeah. We yes, we did. Yeah, I remember. Did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like that. Um, it does take a bit longer than regular Flux because you've got obviously the, the whole thing about the Batman villains, and if there's villains out on the table, nobody can win. Yeah, unless it needs uh, unless specific villain. Yeah, specifically say so on the goal. So, and you've got Arkham Asylum, which you can hide villains under. Yeah, unless you discard it, and then the villains come back out. Yeah, and Batman can't be on the table at the same time as Bruce Wayne, and vice versa. So there's a lot of extra mechanics that link in with the Batman universe. Yeah, but uh, it's a good addition to the Flux um, catalogue. And I like the art style as well. I think the art style, because they've used the, the 90s cartoon series, I think that really goes well with uh, with card games. Yeah. It's cartoony, so it, it looks really good. So if you like Flux, Batman Flux is thoroughly recommended. And uh, I didn't buy this game, but I got given it, and we've just spent 45 minutes yeah. playing it and that's Dragon's Horde um, which was given to me by Aaron so thanks Aaron if you're listening I again really really like this game yeah I think the the artwork's really nice there's sheep involved and they're all different colours and they've all got funky hairdos and I really need to pick what my favourite sheep is but I can't quite decide and also I, because there's sheep involved I keep trying to call it battle sheep which may or may not be an actual thing that has somehow wormed its way into my subconscious. But if it isn't, somebody out there who needs a Kickstarter idea, Battle Battlesheep, do it, please. It could be like Battleships, but yeah. with sheep. Yeah, take my money now. There is a board game geek on a review for Battleship. Oh, so there is actually there a is a thing called, called Battleship. Battle okay, I don't know how it got into my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it was released in two thousand ten, and it's a. Uh, Flock to greener pastures with battle sheep. I may have watched a video review of it. I'm not sure. But anyway, it has absolutely nothing to do with Dragon's Sword. No, it doesn't. So, yeah, Dragon's Sword's good. So you you basically... I, I don't quite understand the, the logic behind the mechanics. No. As in, you get treasure by paying for sheep. So maybe... Paying with sheep. With sheep, yes. Even though you're a dragon, so surely you would just... Eat them. Eat the sheep. Yeah. I thought maybe you're a dragon, so you need to eat a certain amount of sheep of certain colours to have the strength to carry the treasure. Okay. That's very tenuous, but that might be it. And also, I don't like the idea of all those nice fluffy sheep being eaten. Yeah, that's they're, true. They're too cute. Yeah. So, uh, what else have I had? Uh, so, on my iPad, I bought Final Fantasy Seven. So a re-release of the late 90s classic, which was actually the first Final Fantasy game I played and probably was for a lot of people as well. I had it on the PC rather than the PlayStation, as it was at the time, but um, we're spending a lot of time playing that. Actually, I'm not that far off the end now. By the time you listen to this, I may have completed it. So I don't think I need to go over Final Fantasy VII because everyone should know what that is. And also a, a nice little 
game called Space Marshals, which I saw a review of on uh, Touch Arcade a few weeks ago, which is basically like an isometric 3D shooter where you play a little space marshal who runs around and uh, you use a touch control to move your guy around with your one thumb and your other thumb you just flick the screen in the direction that you want to shoot. Mm -hmm. And it actually works really well. It took me a little bit of time to get used to it, but once I got used to it, I was running around shooting things, no problem. It's uh, It's got... It's quite funny. It's got a fun little sense of humour. And uh, so if you like that kind of game where you just run around shooting things, um, then Space Marshals is for you. Awesome sauce. For me, I have bought Sushi Go, which I saw uh, way back in May, was it, when we went to the UK Games Expo? Yeah. Um, Sushi Go was very big there. It was absolutely everywhere. And I was a bit reticent because I was like, no. Mm. It's all sort of... It's mm, so popular. Yeah. Do you want to get in with the popular kids? I know. And they're all like little cute faces on them. Um, But then I watched uh, some playthrough videos of it and I thought, oh, actually, that was quite good. Um, And I spotted it because immediately after the UK Games Expo, it was 10 quid on Amazon. And then about two weeks later, it shot up to 17, 18 quid on Amazon. It hasn't really come down. Um, but I came across another website called Board Game Monkey, and it had it for six ninety nine. So I thought, might as well. Oh yeah. So I bought that, and it came pretty quickly. Only took a couple of days. I didn't need it urgently, so uh, that's fine for me. And we played it. A couple of yes- days ago. Yesterday was, it, was yesterday? it? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. And while, although we played it with just two people, so it's kind of easy to remember or try and remember what's in the other, the opposite hand to you to try and build up your platter of sushi. Mm. Um, it might be a little bit little bit more complicated if you have more people in it, but it also might get a little bit crazy. I thought it was really, really good game, really good mechanics, really good idea, really simple, so you don't need to learn like acres and acres of rules and so on. The finish on the cards is really good, the art's really nice, and it comes in a nice little tin which the lid isn't too secure, as I found out when I got home and the cards were all over the bottom of my bag. But as long as you keep it the right way up and you don't stick it in your bag sideways, you'll be fine. Um, It's fairly small, fairly portable, possibly not for your purse or your your shoulder bag Mm. or whatever for uh, standing in queues because you will have to sit down and somewhere with enough space to uh, make a veritable feast of food. I also have bought for the PC uh, the new Mad Max game. However, I have yet to actually play it. Um, I bought it because I have been a fan of the Mad Max, uh, what would you call it, universe? Franchise. Franchise for quite a while. I've got the three original films at home. And I went to see the new one, Fury Road, and when it was in the cinema. And I think it was just pure coincidence that Fury Road came out and then Mad Max, the game, was coming out a couple of months later anyway. Oh, okay. So the game isn't related to the new movie? No. Okay. The game, I know they showed they showed clips and trailers of it at last year's E3, so well over sort of 12 months ago. Okay. And I thought... That looks absolutely amazing. That looks like, down to a T, what Mad Max should be. Because originally I was a little bit cautious of the film because I wasn't sure how Tom Harvey was going to do in the role. 
But in the end, he did quite well in, in the film. Tom Hardy. Hardy, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hardy's someone we work with. Yeah, shush. Tom Hardy. Never mind. Tom Hardy. Because Tom Hardy mm. is a lot more beefy and built up than Mel Gibson was in the okay. original three. Because in the original three, he was still quite... It was like his first few films and there was they were in Australia and he wasn't necessarily an international superstar and he was still quite small, still quite thin, um, whereas Tom Hardy's quite big and beefy. So I wasn't sure how the, the new film was going to do. Turns out it was brilliant. Um, but the Mad Max game, because I saw trailers for that, as I said, well over a year ago, and I thought that looks exactly like what a Mad Max game should be and it's going to look it's going to be sort of it's the perfect sort of thing that you can make into a game and do well but I have yet to play it although I've heard very many good things about it from people who have played it the reason I haven't played it is because I have instead been obsessively playing You Must Build a Boat which is basically a match three or more tiles game that is an endless dungeon crawler at the same time. Okay. Um, it is the succession game, so like not necessarily a sequel, um, to the game One Million, where the idea was you ran this dungeon. So at the top of the game, you've got a little dude who's running through a dungeon and he has to kill stuff. You've got to match tiles underneath for him to like hit people with swords or staffs or get some health or get some shields. And in one million, you just had to keep going until you managed to score a run with one million points, which I bought and I was obsessed with until I got one million points. And even then I was just like, no, must keep matching tiles. Um, whereas with You Must Build a Boat, it's the same thing with a couple of extra mechanics in. But you go around trying to get to your destination, but you can't because your boat is too small. So you have to go around collecting monsters who help you and collecting passengers who help you and collecting bits and pieces of boats until your boat gets huge and you've got massive sails and then you fly off into the distance um, and you literally do, at the end of it, fly, which was quite confusing, but exactly what i expected in a way it's exactly what you expect from from this game because it's got a good sense of humor it's odd i saw this um i saw a review of this and i dismissed it because of the art style yeah but having that... heard you describe it i'll probably be tempted to give it a go yeah because it's available pretty much anywhere and everywhere so it's available on ios android it's available over steam as well um, you, I'm not sure whether you can get a DRM-free one or not, but um, you can get it pretty much for anything. Um, originally, I was quite reticent with getting one million because of the whole "oh, 8-bit is cool" thing. Yeah. When most of the time it's it's really not, but it it works. On like originally, I played it on my phone, and I've got a Nexus Five, and it's just sort of the right size game and the right sort of. Uh, I don't like any of the games that try to be too graphics heavy because they're just 
annihilate your phone no matter how good it is um so it, it's it's a good light little game and ridiculously addictive and you'll wake up in the middle of the night with the music going through your head going oh. what i haven't played it in three days no but also as i mentioned at the start of the show egx was last weekend which I couldn't go to. No, because you're too busy looking at cars. Cars going around a circuit, yeah. Yeah. So I went. I went with my other half and my younger brother, Andrew. Or Andy, sorry. And we had a wander around and we played a couple of games. Sadly, we didn't play too much more than a couple of games because it was so very, very, very busy. Despite having early access, 10 a.m. opening... By the time we got to the queue for Tom Clancy's The Division at 10 past 10, it was already at the two-hour wait mark, so we decided to skip that. Instead, we went to go and play Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which I'm sure some people will be saying, oh, not another Assassin's Creed, when will they just give up? And to a certain extent, I'd agree... Assassin's Creed Syndicate, it was being demoed, well, it was you, the, the playable like test version was on PS4s. I'm a PC player, so faffing about with the controller was a bit of a pain. But it, it works fairly well. It's got, as always, the art is very good and it's very accurate to the time period. The demo that you get to play is a, a mission with one of the two main characters. So in Syndicate, you can either play... There's two twin. Well, two twins. Haha. Yeah. Two so, two twins. Now, are there actually two twins or two pairs of twins? Just two twins. One pair of twins. One pair of twins. Oh, okay. One is a boy and one is a girl, or a man and a woman, whatever. And in the demo, you're playing as the female assassin, who's Elizabeth Fry, who's going to assassinate another woman. I can't quite remember why because you just sort of dumped in and it's clearly a middle-of-the-road mission. But you've got all of the gear, so you've you've got like this grapple rope, you've got a gun and knives and poison darts and smoke bombs and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, the atmosphere and the artwork was really good. You have various options to complete the mission, so you can run in there and just murder everyone. You can sneak in there and try and murder her. You can trick her into thinking you've been captured so you can get close to her. You can go and steal some keys and this, that and the other. And I like the fact that they've added more options to do the missions. And you get optional like extra bits and pieces to do as well. But then at the same time, it kind of felt a bit too easy. I don't know if that's because I picked an option that was naturally very easy or whether it's just because Assassin's Creed is just so repetitive now. Yeah. I mean, the problem that I had with trying to play, which one was it? Revelations. I got halfway through and then I got really bored because it was the same as Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Assassin's Creed 2. And it was just run around the city for a bit and then you have to do a bit of story to unlock another bit of the city. The thing that I find about the Assassin's Creed games is that the running around the city just doing whatever you want is the best part. 
and the story bits just seem to get in the way. However, Black Flags kind of buck that trend, but I think Unity and Assassin's Creed 3 were also kind of fairly weak. So I'm not sure whether it's going to follow the trend of good one, bad one. It's like the Star Trek movie trend where the uh, even-numbered ones are better than the odd-numbered ones. Yeah. So in theory, Rogue technically came out after Unity, but it wasn't like it wasn't the full release. So it's kind of like a when they released Liberation. Yeah. So in theory, if Unity was the bad one, then Syndicate should be the good one. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, it has very good potential. Some of the, there were a few bugs in the the demo version that I played. And there's probably, I mean, I would expect that they're still going to have to do day one patches. It's Ubisoft. Of course they're going to do day one patches. So I am not going to be pre-ordering it. And it can it can wait until the next summer's Steam sale, yeah. I think, to be honest. After the whole issue they had with Unity and the, the bugs in that, I would like to think that they will be a bit more careful with this one. Yeah. But the thing is... They usually release at the end of October. Yeah. EGX was the end of September. And the demo version that they're demoing there, I would assume, would be the most up-to-date Not necessarily. Version. It could be a few weeks old. It could be, I suppose. But the one thing that really bugged me was the grapple rope because you've got this grapple rope and we were talking to a couple of other guys where we were queuing for another game. And they were saying that they were shooting the grapple rope and it was just going off into the sky, not coming back. The thing that I found really annoying about the grapple rope is that it's not as stealthy as you expect it to be. And that may be just because I was dumped in in the middle of the game and I possibly over-assumed. But with the grapple rope, you don't just go, you don't just shoot it and then slide along it. You kind of shoot it and then you slide on a bit and then she stops and uses her other hand to pull herself forward again. So you're sort of going whiz for a little bit, stop, grab, whiz. And it's painfully slow when you're not expecting it to be like that. And I thought, oh, I'll just go shoot that thing, fly over over there. Um, And I didn't. And then all the guards who were beneath me were going, Excuse me, love, what are you doing? Miss, miss, could you stop that? Miss. And it's like, I'm in a restricted zone and I'm like shimmying across a rope above your head. Miss, miss, could you stop doing that? What are you doing? Not exactly what I expected. No. And and that only sort of went into yellow alerts. It didn't instantly go... Alert, alert, someone's yeah. in the red zone. So that's the other thing that I thought well, why it might have been a bit easier than previous versions of the game. Um, the other One of the other games that I played, um, as I said, I only managed to play three games. The other one was uh, Rainbow Six Siege, which I would not be touching with a barge pole. Um, but... A surprise one was um, on the indie mega booth. It's called Boyd, uh, or possibly B-O-I-D, because it's all in capitals. Um, the 
the developer wasn't there when I stopped by to play. So um, hope hopefully, I, I well, I'm guessing that um, they explained it a little bit when they were there, but they weren't when I was there. So um, anyway, it's a class-based multiplayer RTS uh, that strips out all the clutter and builds upon core mechanics of tactical competitive strategy. Oh, it's almost as if you've read that from somewhere. Yes, it was. So it's it's like a little it seems to be underwater it may not necessarily be underwater because obviously the, the guy wasn't there to explain it um but what you have is you have a little spawn and you have little wiggly things <laughs> that spawn from it and you can go and populate other spawners that make specific classes of other wiggly things so you had like the nor the normal base units, which then could populate. I don't know. I think you'd equivalent them to barracks, for example. Um, so you could go and populate to make heavy units and uh, scout units and this that, and the other. And basically, you just have to progress across the map and eliminate the enemy. Is the the simple way of looking at it. I'm not necessarily one for RTS games generally because. There's just too much going on. And I think the simplicity of the Boyd game is one of the strongest features of it. Mm. I mean, the art is also brilliant because it looks like it's underwater and it's all like all the units are sort of, they shine and glow. And it's a really like good looking game, but it's also really simple. Um, and it's on Steam now. So if, um, you are interested or you want to actually see what it looks like because my description is terrible, uh, then it's B-O-I-D, Boyd, and it's on Steam. So go and have a look. I would recommend it. Those are my two plugged in at EGX. Uh, there are a couple that I didn't get to try. There's one called Aero, but with two E's, which is... Um, the successor to an iOS app called SineWave. Um, SineWave, I have tried out since I came back because I didn't get to try Aero. Um, it's kind of like an audio surf type thing, but with spaceships where you have to dodge uh, obstacles and shoot androids and stuff. And it, But you can only use the music that's in the app and it's all dubstep and there's only three songs on the free, free version. So I'm hoping that Aero is multi-platform and that you can use your own music. Mm. Um, there was another one called Thea, The Awakening, which came out on Steam this Monday, so the 28th of September which is sort of like a an RPG that's based on a old Scandinavian myth. And I didn't get to try it, um, but I will definitely be looking into it some more. And two other games that are a little bit further down, well, a little bit further off in terms of being finished. It's one called Ironfish, which is going to be a, an underwater horror thriller game. And one called Shadow Hand, uh, which is sort of a, a story-based game where you... It's like you have little mini card games in it to progress through the story. 
Um, as I say, I didn't get to try it. There's not much on their website at the moment, um, so I think it's fairly on in development, but I'll definitely be looking out for that one as well. So you had a good time then? Yeah, apart from all the queues. It's Britain. I know. We do queues. We like them. I don't like queues. I just wanted to play games. So that's what we've been playing and purchased lately. So let's move on to our last regular section, the Kickstarter. Yay. So I've not really backed a lot lately. There's a couple of smaller games. Uh, One I backed uh, yesterday was called Sandwich Masters. I saw that. I haven't had a look at the game yet, though. So it's basically you have to make sandwiches. It's a two-to-four-player game. But um, you've got good ingredients and bad ingredients. And the whole point of it is if you, you can use bad ingredients to make a sandwich... But if someone plays a food inspector card on you Ooh. and you've got bad ingredients in your sandwich, then, mm. you know, like instead of an egg, you've got a rotten egg or whatever. Yeah. And if there's a rotten egg in your sandwich, then you uh, you get penalised. So that looks quite fun. And it's a UK game as well, so it shouldn't cost that much to get delivered. And I quite like the look of the art style. And it's a food-based game as well. I seem to have this thing where I just buy a lot of yeah, food-based games. Have you noticed? Of, yeah, quite a lot of food-based games. And another one was a game called, I guess it's pronounced Tunhell, but I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, T-U-N-H-E-L-L. And uh, that's successfully funded. And uh, that's uh, like another small family card game uh, where you're a bunch of dwarves and you've got to try and get treasure. So that looks like it could be quite interesting. And the cards look quite cute as well. Dwarves and their treasure. Yeah. It's, It's an old theme, but it's a good theme. I think this is actually a French... I seem to recall it's a French game that's been translated across. Yeah. But I might be totally wrong at that. Now here we go, yeah. It's coming back in English because uh, the first campaign was in French. So, yeah, it's already... Uh, the game's already there. It's proven it, it works. And, yeah. And they've just translated it into English. So okay. looking forward to that. Uh, what's arrived? Well, uh, over the last week, I've had three games arrive, uh, well, only one of which I've had a chance to actually play properly, and that is Lost Idols. So Lost Idols is a fun little card collecting game where there's a bunch of cards numbered 1 to 6 and the whole point of the game is to get the numbers 1 to 6 to collect them. And uh, each player plays a card and at at the core of it, the one person who plays the highest number wins, but also some of the cards beat others. So, for example, the number 1 will beat a number 6 or if you win with a number 3 card, you can swap for a number 1 or a 2 if you need one. And uh, it's a simple game, but plays really quickly and well and um you know it's a good little filler game i think yeah um i yeah it's got nice bright colors yeah so it's it's going to be good for i don't know kids i don't have kids i don't even know kids i think my nephew would probably like to play it yeah you you have a kid that you know i don't know any kids yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah i think it i think it would get we only played it with two people again and so I think it could get, uh, I think it goes up to four people. Yeah. Yeah. And with more than two people, you have the the added risk of if you play the same, mm-hmm. if you, so if, for example, four people are playing and two people play the same card, but that would have been the highest card if it was only on one of them, then you both get counted as not having. Yeah. So it's a draw yeah. and no one wins. So Yeah. So yeah, the art the art's quite good. The cards are well made. 
I had a problem with the box. The yeah. box, um, the insert inside the box, the cardboard insert is all damaged, so the, the cards just sort of like flop around inside the box, which yeah. is a shame. But other than that, it's 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 fine. Uh, I also had Epic, Epic Come, which we haven't had a chance to play yet, um, made by the people who made Star Realms, so that should be quite good. Yeah. Although I've I've heard mixed things about it. Someone I know said he wasn't that keen on it, but uh, reviews online uh, generally, I think, are quite positive. Yeah. So. I backed Epic as well, but sadly my my copy has not arrived yet. Um, I'm pretty sure I was in the first wave of posting as well because I got the 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 email from. Is it the, ship naked? That they yeah, used? yeah. So um, I got an email from them saying, "Hi, we've posted your thing." Um, so I can only assume it's lost somewhere over the Atlantic or something. Probably got all the way to Birmingham and then got lost there. Probably. Or it's probably doing what one of my other games did, where it went from it went from Miami to New York to Philadelphia to Berlin to Munich to Amsterdam to Florida to New York to Amsterdam to the UK, which took a very long time and was quite frustrating. Just sitting there watching the USPS thing go, and just it just sort of I didn't quite understand how it managed to get all the way to Germany. And then go all the way back to America and then come back again. But that's the postal service, I suppose. Yeah. One of those things in life. And the last game I got was a fun little party game called Kid History, which I guess the easiest way I can think of to describe it is like it's the family version of Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. So you've got the cards which have got like um, famous sayings that people have said throughout history. And then the other cards have all got quotes from children. And uh, it's basically play the funniest one of yeah. those. But it does look like it could be quite fun. And uh, if you want to play that kind of game with people who aren't going to be that amused by Cards Against Humanity, mm, yeah, I think it's a good alternative. It's a safe Christmas alternative. Oh yeah, actually that's not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think my grandparents would appreciate Cards Against Humanity. No. I'm not convinced my parents would appreciate it, to be honest. It's funny, I'll see a lot of videos of people playing Cards Against Humanity with their parents and they've obviously got very good relationships with them. Yeah. I don't know if I could. Oh, no, some of the cards. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking, I'm just remembering some of the black cards or white cards. Well, whatever. the black and white cards. Both of them. Oh, they're all terrible. Um, For me, I haven't backed much recently i backed divinity original sin 2 um, which is going to be a pc game which finished successfully today and seemingly broke a lot of well it funded it i'm pretty sure it funded in the first day and since then it's just been more and more and more and more money going up and up and up i'm not entirely sure why because i haven't played divinity original sin the original game but i think i i I think it's one of those games where i looked at and i thought i kind of want to play that but then eh, Hmm. kind of and it was a couple of years old and i tend to find if i try and play something that's a couple of years old i will inevitably get distracted and go Oh, but this other game that came out just now has better graphics and now i can't like backscale it's like the the problem that I had with Mass Effect. I played Mass Effect 2 first, and then I have never been able to play Mass Effect because going 
backwards in terms of the mechanics. Yeah. It drives me mad. Um, but I've backed Divinity Original Sin 2, and I backed um, another little game a couple of weeks ago now called Smart Canary, um, which is actually a language learning card game, and you could you could buy it in sort of packs of up to 10, 10 packs so that you could manage to play it with a full classroom full of people. So it's... I mean, I bought the Mandarin version because there was the usual French, German, Spanish, uh, and then there was Mandarin as well. Uh, I studied German and Spanish at university, and I did French for nine years when I was a kid, so I'm a bit sick of it. Um, So I got the Mandarin version just purely for interest's sake because having, well, as I say, having done a degree in languages, I'm a bit of a language nerd. So I thought it looked like a fun little game because it, it it does have gaming aspects to it. It's not just like flashcards, which a lot of a lot of language learning card games are. They're literally just flashcards. You can you can make them yourself if you go down W H Smith. To be fair, um, but this one looks a lot more involved, and I thought I'd give it a go and see if I can learn maybe how to say hello, just in case I ever go to China. Fair enough. Um, sadly, as I say. I haven't had any Kickstarter stuff arrive since the last time we recorded. Um, so that is me. And that, I think, is that then. That's the yeah. end of our show. So thanks, everyone, for listening to episode two. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at TOGCAST. That's at T-O-G cast. Uh, we also have an email address. So you can email us any comments, questions or suggestions to offline gamer podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on iTunes. We've added the podcast onto there, which hopefully is how most of you've got to us. And we're also on SoundCloud. The address is soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer. And you can also find us on most RSS aggregating aggregating clients, for example, Gpodder. You can search for just the phrase offline gamer or the offline gamer if you're being really super specific and you will be able to find us there and subscribe via RSS too. So once again everyone, thanks for listening. I've been Matt. And I've been Ray. I'm pretty sure I still am. Yep. Hope so. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.